as Jeremy said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be jumping in the book of Proverbs, and if you all want to turn there, if you're in the blue Bible that we provide, it's page 527, starting right at the beginning, and uh, we trust that this will be a, a profitable series for all of us. I mean, Proverbs is the book of wisdom in the Bible. I mean, it's where we start uh, to get to know about wisdom, how to attain it, and perhaps uh, just a good way to change things up because we've been plowing through Romans, and there's such deep doctrine, heavy doctrine in Romans, but wonderful, rich doctrine and uh, rich truths about the gospel. And so we trust that Proverbs, giving us practical wisdom for daily living, uh, will be uh, something beneficial for us as a family as well. And the last time I was in this pulpit, we were in Ephesians 5, and we actually were talking about wisdom and the call for believers, call for Christians to walk in wisdom. And we learned that one quality that is absolutely essential to living life God's way for his glory is wisdom, among other things. And Paul had written this. He said, look carefully how you walk, you Christians, how you walk, how you live. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so all Christians, every one of us, we're all called to live wisely. We're all called to be wise. And why exactly? Well, first of all, wisdom and living wisely is, in one way, it's how we reflect God's attributes, the nature of God. And we put his likeness on display in the world, and that gives him glory when we do that, albeit imperfectly. And secondly, the important reason for us to live wisely is because, as Paul said, the days are evil. We live in a perfect world. Without sin and evil? No, we live in a fallen world that's corrupted by sin, and there is evil all around us, and even in our flesh. And so because we're sinners living among sinners in a fallen world, wisdom is absolutely essential for us for our daily lives. And so generally speaking, we could say, all right, well, all of Scripture in one way communicates God's wisdom. It comes from the mind of God. It is God-breathed, but... In order to learn specifically about wisdom and to know exactly what it is and how it actually plays out in various aspects of our lives, uh, the best place for us to turn is actually the book of Proverbs. So we have uh, specific places that we can go to in Scripture that tell us about wisdom and give us specific examples of how that's to play out in our lives. And Proverbs is the great starting point for us. And Proverbs, it's devoted entirely to the subject of wisdom And it's basically God's training manual for us to learn and apply wisdom in our daily lives. And it's basically, you could consider it the divinely authorized how-to book on wise living. And if we wanted to call it, uh, give it another title, I mean, our English Bibles call it Proverbs for obvious reasons in verse 1. But we could also call it How to Live Wisely. It's a how-to manual. Or The Beginner's Guide to Wisdom. Or Wise Living for Dummies. Or the one I went with, just to not be too offensive, was Proverbs Wisdom 101. And that's the title of this sermon. And and basically today, this morning, here's our goal. Here's what we're trying to do. We're going to look at the Bible's introduction to the book of Proverbs so that we might be prepared to receive and benefit from God's guiding principles for wise living in this fallen world. We need them. And notice what, what we said. It, it's, we're going to look at the Bible's introduction. I mean, we have study Bibles, and those have introductions to various books. But it's great when we have a book like Proverbs. It actually, in the opening verses, functions as an introduction to itself. And so we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Those are the verses we're going to cover. And essentially, verse 1 is going to give us the book's title and author. Verse, verses 2 through 6, 6 is going to give us the book's purpose And finally, in verse 7, it's going to show us the the motto of the book as a whole. All right, so first of all, we're going to look at the book's title and offer, verse 1. So essentially, we want to know, okay, who is the author and why should I listen to him? And obviously, we know this is God's word, but we also know that God used men and the work of agency of his Holy Spirit to write his scripture through them. And so we read in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And we see the Proverbs, and do you guys know what a proverb is? Are you familiar with that term? 
we actually use them, and they're kind of common in, in our daily lives, even outside of, of the ones we would quote from Scripture. But it's basically, when we hear the word proverb, typically what we're referring to is a short, memorable saying that teaches some general principle about life, something that's generally true and common to human experience. And some examples outside the Bible you might be familiar with would be, a penny saved is? All right. An apple a day keeps? It's good. The early bird... And a friend in need is, you see that? Those are actually some good things that those Proverbs are teaching. So they're helpful, memorable sayings for us to teach uh, not only our children, but other people as well, wisdom for life. Um, however, when we look at the word proverb in verse 1, it, the, the, the Hebrew word there is not limited to just that, those short little sayings. It's, it's much more general, and it literally means sayings. That's pretty general which can come in the form of not only Proverbs, but also parables. It can come in the form of speeches. And so if we're reading verse 1, just so we know what we're getting into when we read Proverbs, it basically would be more accurate to say the wisdom sayings of Solomon. These are sayings of all types that communicate wisdom, and they come from Solomon. So now about Solomon, about the author. The last couple times we were up here, we did Scripture reading, and we learned a little bit about Solomon because we read from Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. But basically, Solomon, if you know, he was the second son of David, King David, and Bathsheba. Now, the first child died, and he was their second child. And he was loved by God. He was chosen by God to be David's successor. David had many sons, and Solomon wasn't the oldest of them. But he was chosen by God because the Lord had special plans for Solomon. And God announced these plans to David before Solomon was even born. He had called him, he had set him apart, and he chose to love him. And here were, here were the Lord's plans for Solomon. First of all, Solomon would be a king, not only David's successor who would ascend the throne, but he would be a king during an unparalleled time of peace in Israel's history. An unparalleled time of peace, guaranteed God announced it beforehand. And number two, Solomon would be the one who would build the temple of the Lord. And so, obviously, this was a wonderful privilege. The fact that he would be heir to the throne, that he was promised a guaranteed time of peace for the nation, and that he would get to build the temple. But we also have to remember that this was a tremendous, weighty responsibility. And so, when the time came for him to, to take the throne, when he ascended the throne, well, he agreed with his father David, who said that, well, he was young and inexperienced, and that the work was great. And not long after Solomon became king, God appeared to him in a dream. And he said to him, ask what I shall give to you. That's a really open question that God would ask somebody, right? But he appeared to him in a dream. He asked him, ask what I shall give to you. Basically, hey, Solomon, what do you want? I will give it to you. And here's how Solomon responded in 1 Kings chapter 3. This is where we get this account. Solomon said this, give your servants an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days." And further on in, in chapter 4, we read this, that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men. And as God said, everyone before you and to come after you. So here's what we learned from this. Apart from Christ... 
the wisest man to ever live, to ever walk this earth, and to past, present, future is Solomon. And so among the entire fallen human race, Solomon was and will always be the most qualified person to write a book on wisdom, to teach us, to teach anyone. Now, granted, you could go to the bookstore, you can look on Amazon. I'm sure there's plenty of books by self-proclaimed experts or people that have studied in certain fields that want to teach us wisdom. But Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And he's the most qualified, and we would want to learn from him. And that alone gives us plenty of reason to listen up. But like I said, obviously we know that the book of Proverbs is in the Bible. It is God-breathed scripture. So essentially, it is not just Solomon's words that we're going to read, but we're reading God's words. So we can think of it as we are basically getting God's wisdom through Solomon. So that's our title, and that's our offer. Pretty, pretty simple. But now, verses 2 through 6, and this is going to be a big section, this is going to tell us the purpose of the book the purpose of the book and what it's trying to accomplish and what we can expect from it. Basically what it's for and what you can get out of it. So starting in verse 2, read along. It is to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands, obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So in verse 2, the first purpose that's expressed about the purpose of this book, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. And often when we see the word to know in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it, it doesn't refer just to intellectual intelligence, but also, or intellectual knowledge, it also refers to experiential knowledge. So knowledge by means of not only understanding, but experience. And so essentially, to know wisdom, what, what is being communicated is, is that we're going to be able to be personally acquainted with it, involved with it, engaged with it, and experience it. And so the book of Proverbs, it's not only for us to learn about wisdom, but to acquire it for ourselves and to excel in it. And so... Now we can ask, okay, what exactly is wisdom? All right, we're going to know wisdom, know it both intellectually, experientially. What exactly does the Bible say wisdom is? Well, wisdom is basically moral skill. Essentially, it's skill, but you could say, obviously, with the content of the book of Proverbs, what's being, tried, what's being attempted to teach us is moral skill. Or, in other words, it's right knowledge, rightly applied. So, again, not just head knowledge, but right knowledge put into practice the right way. So it's moral skill. It's skill in living life God's way, and it involves how we relate to God and how we relate to other people. So in order to know wisdom, what we also must know, Scripture says in verse 2, is that you also must know instruction. And this refers to not just like classroom teaching, but to discipline and training. Proper discipline is given to correct and it's given to shape you, to shape your character. And it's through the process of discipline that we gain and grow in wisdom. And so Proverbs says it's to know wisdom, but you know wisdom as you come to know instruction, discipline, training. And here's how this works. If we, if we think about, okay, well, it's instruction. How does this training work that Proverbs is saying it's going to bring to us? And in general... When you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to see what's common is that it's going to warn of the consequences of foolish choices. So it'll warn you of consequences of foolish choices and behavior so that you might choose wisdom and avoid those consequences altogether. But sometimes we choose folly. And here's what happens. If I choose foolishness, if I choose to say no to wisdom and I choose folly, Basically, what I mean by that is we're, we're choosing the sinful way. We're choosing our way and not God's own way. Then we will reap consequences. And at that point, here's how instruction works. I can, at that point, even though I've chosen folly and received consequences, I can choose to be corrected by, first of all, confessing that what I'm suffering is due to my own sinful choice and my own folly, my own choice of not choosing wisdom and then repenting and choosing God's wisdom. 
Do you see that? So the purpose is we want to be warned about the dangers and consequences of foolish living and not living wisely. But if we, and we can avoid consequences, but if we choose what is foolish, what is sinful, and we suffer consequences, here's how instruction works. We read in Proverbs, I know exactly I'm suffering this because I chose this choice, which I was advised not to. And now I have the option to correct my behavior and to choose wisdom. So that's a training process. And you can think about any kind of training, athletic training or whatever sort of training, there's always that correction to keep refining you, to help shape you. And so this does not mean that every difficulty or hardship in life is a direct consequence of some specific sin you've committed. That's not what Proverbs is about. It's dealing with general realities, general consequences. Typically, if you choose folly, you, in general, suffer consequences. But it's not guaranteeing that if you're living wisely that you won't suffer any kind of hardship in life. That's not what's being said here. What it does mean is this. All difficulties and hardships and troubles that are direct consequences of you choosing folly, uh, you choosing specific sin, they are avoidable, completely avoidable. So, for example... Just a, having an example of this, if I got into an argument with my friend, a friend or whatever, and uh, maybe I lost my temper. Okay, that's already foolish right there. Man, I lost my temper. I punched a hole in the wall. Well, I'll have some direct consequences of that choice. Break my hand. Maybe I'll have no use of my hand. Maybe I'll lose some time and money getting the wall fixed and actually having to get my hand fixed. And I'll probably perhaps even lose a friend or at least have a strained relationship with a friend. So you see how that works? A foolish choice has direct consequences, and all those consequences right there, and that pain and regret, I mean, that could have been completely avoided in my life. So the purpose of Proverbs is that we might know both wisdom and instruction, that we might basically avoid unnecessary trouble in life. But a lot of times we choose to bring trouble into our life. So we need to know wisdom and instruction, and verse 2, the other part of it says that you might understand words of insight. And literally, it, it says that you might understand words of understanding. And the phrase, the phrase words of insight, understanding, basically what it's referring to is the contents of the book of Proverbs. Like I said, Proverbs is wisdom sayings. So the entire book has got wisdom sayings, and its goal is for you to understand those words of insight that are contained in this book. And here's how it works. As you not only read, but as you study, as you meditate on, as you reflect on all the sayings in this book, you will come to understand them clearly. But it takes effort. And this is important if you're to be trained by them and learn wisdom. So that makes sense. You know, If I'm going to be trained and learn from this book, I need to understand it. So I need to work hard, engage with it, study it, read it, reflect on it, meditate on it. So, Proverbs wants to teach us wisdom, instruction that we might understand the contents of this book. And in verse 3, another purpose expressed is that we might receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. And part of this book's purpose is for you to receive its instruction. Not just to know it, but here's another word, to receive it. And what this means for you is that you need to be willing. If you're going to approach Proverbs, you need to be willing to receive its instruction if you're going to benefit from it at all. And the term wise dealing, what is that? Well, it refers to practical insight, good sense. And again, a lot of these terms are going to overlap. It's going to show you that this is what wisdom looks like. All these aspects of wisdom are what we're trying to gain from this book. So good sense, wise dealing, and its ability to Basically, read different situations, various situations, and to act appropriately so that you have success. And like I said, in general, typically if you choose wisdom, you will have success. Things will go well. There will be blessing in that. And so, wise dealing, being able to read a situation, various situations, and know what to do and to act appropriately. That would be really nice to have if you had that ability. Have you ever found yourself caught in a situation, whether it's a relationship or a situation at work or some kind of conflict, and you don't really know what to do? You're kind of at your wit's end, at a loss, and say, okay, what is, God, what, what is the wise thing to do in this situation? Well, 
book of Proverbs says we study it. We're going to actually develop this ability to actually know what to do in various situations. So if we want to know the sensible thing to do, if we want to have that ability, that's part of the book of Proverbs. That's part of its purpose for us. And you may be thinking, and this is common, okay, okay, when difficult situations come, I'll just pray and God will give me wisdom and guide me, right? Sometimes we do that, and that's good. I mean, it's good to pray for wisdom. James said, hey, if any of you lacks wisdom, what? Let him ask God. So absolutely, pray for wisdom, but prayer is not the primary means through which we gain wisdom. And again, sometimes, you know, we think rightly. We know that God enables us. We're completely dependent on him. So absolutely, I need to pray that he would grant me wisdom, help me to live wisely, but my expectation shouldn't be, I'm going to pray and so he can just infuse me with wisdom and, oh, you know, now I know what to do. God has given us his word, and more specifically, he's given us an entire book that specifically teaches us how to live wisely. So pray for wisdom, but also make sure that you're seeking to know and to grow in wisdom through the means that God's provided, and that's the book of Proverbs, and that's the rest of his word that gives us instruction. So there's no reason to assume that God will just make you wise if you're not actively pursuing wisdom. If it's something that you want, guess what? You actively pursue it. And it's just like other aspects of the Christian life. Sanctification, right? You can choose to sin, but you also can choose not to sin. And sanctification is something that God is actively doing in you by the means of his Holy Spirit who indwells you, but it isn't apart from your effort either. So it's both and. Do you see that? So if I want wisdom, absolutely, I need God. And I, I need to pray for him to help me grow in wisdom. I need that. But I need to be actively pursuing it. Otherwise, if I just sit on my hands, you know, you don't learn through osmosis, right? doesn't work in school. doesn't work in the school that God's given us and the instruction in his word. So, Wise dealing, Solomon actually gives us clarity on what this means and what this looks like. And here's what it looks like. Here's what he means by it. It's righteousness, it's justice, and it's equity. Righteousness, basically doing what is right according to God's standards. Justice, basically defining right and wrong according to God's standards. What you believe about what is right and wrong is conformed to God's standards. And equity, uh, that word is just basically referring to uprightness integrity. So it's dealing with character. And this is basically walking the straight and level path that God's laid out in his word. You see that? So that's what wise dealing looks like. And that's what it'll look like in your life as you put it into practice. Now, verse four. And again, there's a lot of purpose. So we see that the book of Proverbs has a lot to offer us. And another purpose is this, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So, in this verse, we're introduced to two different types of people now who are among Solomon's target, targeted audience. First, there's the simple, which basically means naive, gullible. These are those who, one commentator says, they're morally brainless. All right? They, they are, they're open-minded, but dangerously open-minded. You know, it's, it's not necessarily always good to be open-minded, although it's celebrated in our society. Proverbs 14, 15 says, the simple one believes everything. So it, it's kind of a good or bad. They're just like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. You know, it's like, that could be good. And then it's just totally wrong or some kind of seduction of the world to lead them to destruction. They're like, yeah, it sounds great. You know, so dangerously open-minded. And this category of people can be classified as those who are immature, very immature. And again, sometimes we could think of age groups, like perhaps you could compare it with, okay, well, these are like the, the little children, and then as you progress, you know, you, you move on to becoming an adolescent and an adult. But again, if you read the book of Proverbs, when it talks about the simple ones, it's not really trying to target a specific age group. So what do the simple need? Proverbs offers to give them prudence. I don't use that word too much in, in my everyday speech, but basically prudence is thoughtfulness or cleverness. And according to Proverbs, we can look elsewhere, it says that prudence is acting with knowledge. Okay, so act with knowledge. Simple ones need that. It's giving thought to one's steps. And it's exercising caution. So, 
We could all agree that children need prudence, right? Act with knowledge, give thought to your steps, and exercise caution, okay? My daughter, when we have candles lit on the table, look pretty and stuff, and just say, you know, wants to reach out her hand, touches, don't touch the candle. I know it looks nice and everything, but don't touch the flame. Or maybe she'll go trotting along and starting to walk out in the streets. Like, don't go out in the street. So you guys probably do this with your kids or know that children do these things. And we want to protect them, but it's kind of like, we need you to think, we need you to be cautious and give thought to your steps. That's prudence. Well, God knows that his children also need prudence. So if we put it in that perspective, the things you think about, you're getting, yeah, kid needs prudence. I have to yell his time. You know, I'm trying it for his own good, for his own safety. Same is true with us as God's children. We need prudence. So we need to keep that in mind when we're hearing God's word, when we're reading it and studying it. Anything you're reading, no matter where you are, if you're studying the word of God, keep in mind that it's for your good, that you might give thought to your steps and not suffer unnecessary harm. So these are kind of attitudes we should have approaching all of Scripture. So prudence is something that Proverbs promises. Then we see another person in this verse, verse 4. There's the youth. And like I said, I mean, we have the youth, uh, this term, uh, but it's not necessarily referring to an adolescent. When we say youth, we usually think teenager. And that's not what it's referring to because that term could, in the Bible, it doesn't have a specific age range. It could be anywhere from an infant all the way up to just somebody who hasn't gotten married yet. That's basically what that word means. Uh, but it basically, it's functioning here as a synonym for simple. And the idea is, this is also the immature. So this verse is dealing with the immature and what they need and what Proverbs promises to give them if they're willing to receive it. And we can think of it this way. The simple is plural. It's like a category. It's a group. So we have the group that's called the simple, and it's made up of youth. There are the individuals that make up this group. These are all immature. So what do the youth need? What does the youth need? Proverbs offers what? Knowledge and discretion. So knowledge is very general. We can kind of we get that, right? Just plain old knowledge. Um, but again, uh, it, it isn't just intellectual, like your IQ. Again, this is, has to do with experience as well. And basically, in general, it would be good to say that knowledge is just referring to knowing truth. Um, knowing truth, which we can actually know for a fact because God has revealed truth in his word, and he's given us his word so that we might know things as they really are. Discretion, that's the ability to think things through and plan things out well. To think things through and to plan them out well. So doing this is discretion. The opposite of that is acting on impulse. You know what it means to be impulsive, right? Very common. Not very good thing. So discretion is what is promised to the youth. Thinking things through, planning them out. And when we think about being impulsive, just doing whatever feels right in the moment, right? That's being impulsive. I'm going to do whatever feels right in the moment. And here's the thing. It may seem really exciting and fun. Maybe you've been there. You're like, in the moment, it just felt right. And it was so exciting. I was just caught up. And, well, I'm sure it was exciting and fun in that moment, right? But usually the only good that comes from it is a hard lesson learned, regret, pain, heartache, consequences, unnecessary consequences I could have avoided altogether. So impulsiveness is not a virtue. It works in the movies, you know, but that's fantasy. It's fiction. It's not how the world works, and God's telling us that. It's not how my world works. You act on impulse, you'll reap consequences. And think about it. If you always act on impulse, if you're an impulsive, impulsive anything would never be good. Like, well, I'm a impulsive cooker, you know. It's like, yeah, 3 a.m., I just feel like cooking something and wake the whole house up. You know, impulsive anything is not good. It's not a virtue. Discretion is. Discretion is what we need. All right, verse 5. Again, this is, this is all the purpose of Proverbs. And we're kind of getting being more technical going through here because, again, if we just kind of read it quickly, it'll sound, ah, wisdom, knowledge, discretion. Uh, yeah, okay, cool, wisdom, all right. But there's specific things that this book is offering everyone who seeks its counsel. So verse 5 says this, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And what this shows, so we're introduced to more types of people, it shows that the book of Proverbs, it wasn't only written for the immature, but it was also written for, and its intended purpose was to target those who are mature, the wise and the one who understands. Again, 
just referring to one's a, the group, the wise people, and the one who understands the individual synonyms it's referring to. And Solomon, he already said in verse 2 that the purpose of this book is for us to know wisdom, to know instruction, and to understand words of understanding. But then you might think, okay, well, what about those who are wise and, and they have understanding? And Solomon says that this book is for them as well, that they might, in this verse, he says that they might increase in learning and obtain guidance. So even if you're mature, even if you are wise and living wisely, the book of Proverbs is for you to increase in learning and obtain guidance. The wise can continue to build upon what they previously learned. You know, you don't, you don't learn some wisdom and be like, I'm wise now, cool, moving on to other things. You know, you're always going to be building upon it. There's always room to grow. There's, there's no such thing as having too much godly wisdom. I don't think any of us would probably say that, you know, yeah, I think I just got too much. I'm, I'm full. I'm full of godly wisdom. I don't, I, I don't think I could use any more. It doesn't really work that way, which is good. And this is our motivation to keep digging into God's word. Because here's what we have. We have a guarantee that we will, in fact, discover and unearth and store up the treasures of his perfect wisdom, and our lives will be enriched as a result. That's a guarantee. You can't get that in a bookstore, can you? I mean, it, books make a lot of promises, but God's word is sure. It is certain. It is perfect. and accomplishes its purpose. So, think about it this way. If you inherited a gold mine, I think the last thing you'd be doing is sitting on your hands. You know, I would be panning for gold and getting all that I can out of it. So, the message to us is get digging. Get digging into the Word of God, but get digging in the book of Proverbs so that you can be enriched by wisdom. Now, what does Proverbs have for the mature? It's not only that they increase their learning, but also it says guidance. And this word here, it's the Hebrew word's believed to originally been a sailing term, basically uh, referring to the steering of a ship. So guidance, that, that makes sense. But you could basically say, okay, it's navigational skill. And we kind of, sometimes we say this, we say uh, about navigating through life. And that's what you can think with this term. It's the ability to chart your course and navigate skillfully through life, troubles and all. And the term, as it's used in Proverbs, it also carries the idea of leadership. It it talks about, uh, you know, plans succeeding when you have counsel. You know, and that's guidance. So counselors, it's basically uh, guidance and direction from leaders. So what Proverbs is saying for the mature, not only uh, will you develop guidance, this navigational, this life navigational skill for yourself, but you will also develop the ability to give godly guidance to others. And actually, if you think about the Christian life, part of what we need to be doing is making disciples, not just evangelizing, but helping them grow. And we are, in that sense, giving them guidance. Not just, well, let me tell you what I've learned from my experience. No, let me tell you what I benefit from and experience and learn through the instruction of God's Word. Now that I've got that, let me help you and help guide you. Parents, you want to do that for your children. But brothers and sisters want to do that for the family of God. So, basically, the book of Proverbs has much to offer all of you. Whether you're immature or mature, whether you don't consider yourself that wise or whether you have been benefiting from the wisdom of God's word and whether you know very little or very much, the book of Proverbs has something to offer you, much to offer you. Everyone stands to gain from this book. And so in verse 6, here's what we read. He goes on to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And We've already talked about the word proverb. It's just wisdom saying, a general saying. So that's what it refers to here. It's, again, a general wisdom saying. And the phrase words of the wise, well, we saw something similar in verse 2. Words of insight, words of understanding. Again, referring to the same thing. They're basically all those terms, proverbs, words of the wise, words of insight, referring to the general contents of the entire book. But then we have these specific terms, Understand a proverb in a saying. Words of the wise in their riddles. Something more specific. And the Hebrew word translated as saying, that's unfortunate because I just explained saying is a good general word for proverb. So we can 
get some explanation here to help us understand what he's saying. The word saying, that's translated as saying, it appears only twice in the Bible. Here in this verse and in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 6. And it basically it comes from a verb that means to mock. That's interesting, huh? It means to mock or to scoff, which is why in Habakkuk 2.6, it is translated as scoffing or mocking. So what does it mean here? It says, okay, to understand a proverb and scoffing? What, is it, what does that mean? Well, if you consider what is being communicated not only in this verse, but also just the usage in Habakkuk and this term as it appears in the Bible, the, the best translation for it would probably be satire. And again, not something I use all the time, that word, and sometimes I have to look up, okay, what exactly is satire? Well, satire uses things like sarcasm and ridicule to expose, condemn, or mock folly or vice or something like that. And this shows up in Proverbs. So it's, it's basically a, a genre, you could say. It's, it's satire. And maybe you're familiar. Go to the ant, you sluggard, right? That's actually satire. Um, so we see that in Proverbs. And that basically, there's no reason to think it needs to mean something other than scoffing or satire. I mean, that's kind of the idea. And so it appears in Proverbs. And this is a book we have to understand. Not only does it teach wisdom, and it's, it's not only is it warning us about folly, but sometimes it's teaching us wisdom by ridiculing or mocking foolishness. Does that make sense? So when we see those things, it's, it's just calling it out and mocking it. And again, it says even, even God mocks the mockers. God scoffs at it. So it's not just something that unregenerate, unredeemed sinners do, even though they're also categorized as people who scoff, but they're scoffing at God. They're fools. So, to understand a proverb and a saying, which we said, okay, well, that's better to be understood as satire. You could probably just write that above that word in your Bible. Um, but this book also, it says it contains riddles. And riddles, have you guys ever, do you ever pose riddles to other people? I don't know. You know, I saw that in, in The Hobbit, you know, it's like, okay, or Lord of the Rings, you know, they're like doing riddles back and forth, or maybe it was The Hobbit, whatever. You know, but I'm like, that doesn't really, we don't really do that too much these days. But basically, riddles are intentionally puzzling questions or statements. Uh, it's kind of like the idea of like, you know, a brain teaser in a sense, uh, mind twister. Uh, these are things that cannot be quickly or easily understood, answered, or solved. And that's the point. Their purpose is you pose a riddle, it's to get you to think. It's to kind of provoke your thought and engage your mind and make you reflect. And eventually, you might actually get to the answer, but it's not easy. It requires that effort to get there. And so in light of that, just those words that we got, you know, the specific understanding of, verse 6, you could read it like this. Instead of, you know, what we have, we have what we have in ESV, but maybe to be more specific to what I think underlies it, it could say, to understand a wisdom saying, even a satire, the words of the wise, even their riddles. So again, just general wisdom sayings, but even these figures of speech, these uh, more complex forms of communication and teaching. And so what this verse shows, here's what it teaches us, is that the book of Proverbs, it's designed for our continual study um, and meditation so that we may not only study wide, but we'd also study deep. Uh, that we may advance from understanding its simpler teachings to going on to understanding its more complex teachings. And again, if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, if you read through it, well, some things seem pretty obvious. You're like, yeah, all right, that's good. I'll apply that. But then other things, it's like, wait, what? You know, I, that's, I'm, hard, I, I'm having a hard time understanding that. I need to read it again. Okay, reread it. Maybe I get some things to help me figure out what, what exactly is being said here. It's a difficult saying. Proverbs says all of that, and the point is, because the idea is it's designed for you to keep studying it, keep reading it, meditating on it, reflecting it, and by that you will grow. And the result is you basically are sharpening your mind. It's going to help you mature as a student of God's wisdom. So that's the idea. You're sharpening your mind. And one commentator said this. I thought this was, this was helpful. Basically, what is Solomon saying in these verses? You know, to the wise, okay, and then he goes to verse 6. Uh, to understanding wisdom saying, even a satire, words of the wise, even their riddles. Well, this commentator says this. The mental purpose, if you will, of Solomon's Proverbs is realized as you think about the Proverbs. 
So what the book's trying to accomplish, it accomplishes as you're engaged and you're thinking about what it contains. So basically, as you learn, he says, to walk by walking so you can learn to be discerning by pondering the Proverbs of Solomon. Do you see what's happening? So this is instruction for us, uh, and it's not necessarily easy, and it's something that's meant to take time and diligence and that we're focusing and engaging our thinking with the goal of obviously applying it rightly, and that's wisdom. And then when we have success in that area, there's so much more to gain and so much more room for us to grow, and we keep at it. However, wouldn't you say it's a huge challenge when I talk about focusing my mind, diligently applying myself in this culture? I think we have to fight against mental laziness. Wouldn't you say that's probably a problem? I mean, we probably all suffer. We have moments of mental laziness. I just want to check out, veg out, right? If you think about it, we have advantages in our society, but we also have disadvantages. You know, technologically advanced and media saturated. True, there's a lot of advantages to that. But here's what that does to us. Basically, we get accustomed to many aspects of life being quicker, simpler. And, I mean, especially your communication. Hello, texting, Facebook whatever. It used to be the IM or whatever. Email used to be the the quickest way of communicating. But it gets quicker and simpler and faster, more immediate. And obviously, you know, grammar goes right out the window, right? As soon as we started emails, but then texting, man, you thought grammar went down with emails, texting. And one result of this, and here's the negative side of it. I mean, sure, I like quicker communication. Love it. feel like we can get more done, yet somehow we never do get more done. But one disadvantage of this is that we end up kind of having shorter attention spans because we're so used to that, quick, immediate. So having the patience to focus and and seriously engage our minds, I mean, that's, that's hard, and that can be hard. And so what the book of Proverbs says, it says to get wisdom and to keep advancing in wisdom, and this is going to take diligent study and effort. And what we want to keep in mind, because we've been talking a lot about knowledge, talking a lot about engaging our minds, what we want to keep in mind is this. The issue is not the level that you're at with regard to wisdom. So the issue isn't, hey, where are you at? What level are you at? The issue is whether or not you are advancing, progressing. Kind of like, when, like I said, with sanctification, right? It's not perfection, man. It's direction, right? Have you heard that? It's not about perfection. It's about direction. So are you progressing in your sanctification? Sure, as a follower of Christ, but also are you progressing in wisdom? Are you advancing in it? doesn't matter where you're at. Are you progressing? It doesn't matter if you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you know, as long as you are being sharpened, right? Christ is our perfect example. Scripture says that even when he was a boy, we know that he was God in the flesh, uh, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And when he was a boy, in Luke, we read that as he grew, he increased in wisdom. So we say, well, look at Christ. And actually, Christ is greater than Solomon, and yet he also set the example for us to be increasing in wisdom. And then we get to the final verse, verse 7. And this is the motto, this is the theme, this is the, the foundation for the whole book. If we're going to benefit from it, we need to know this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the foundational principle for the entire book of Proverbs. It's basically the controlling foundational idea that we must always keep in mind as we read it, as we study it, uh, its contents. The purpose for us is to know wisdom and instruction. In verse 2, in order to get there, we must begin with and continue in the fear of the Lord. So we're not going to get there. We're not going to get wisdom and instruction. We're not going to advance at all unless we begin with and continue in the fear of the Lord. And real quick, the Lord, that's not just talking about some higher power, some spirituality thing, just being religious. It's, it's referring, that's God's personal name, right? It's very specific. It's not that you just fear a God, that you fear a deity. You fear the Lord, which... Again, God's personal name, Yahweh, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's the Lord. You fear him. That's the beginning of wisdom. So what exactly is that? You know, 
Will, we read Jeremiah today, and God is righteous and holy, and sometimes he executes judgment. Um, and we think, well, fear, you know, we're not supposed to be afraid of God. And true, you know, as, as followers of Christ, we're not supposed to run away and cower as if he, like Jeremy would say, he's not the boogeyman, right? But this is a specific type of fear. We don't want to eliminate that from the equation. Because some people say, well, it means reverence and awe. You know, but you, you have reverence and awe for a lot of things in life. And this is the creator. This is the only true God. So there is still fear in that equation. But here's how it, how it looks. It's, it's a type of fear that includes reverence and awe, but don't you know, separate all those concepts. Keep them together. Fear of the Lord is a right acknowledgement of the Lord's greatness, his power, his excellence, his holiness, his authority. And basically, it's right acknowledgement of who God is. You recognize him for who he is. And yes, you are in awe, but also he's holy. And we are fallen, we are sinful. There is that element of fear there. And the result is this, worship and submission, or worshipful submission. So this right fear of the Lord results in worship and submission to him. So really, technically speaking, believers are the only ones who are generally, who genuinely fear God in this way. So to paraphrase what Solomon's saying here, he says, okay, you need to have a right relationship with God before you can gain wisdom. This right relationship with God through faith in order to begin to know wisdom. That's essential. And he's also saying, not just, oh, you need to be a believer. He's also saying, you need to continue in the fear of the Lord and basically as a mindset in order to know and increase in wisdom. So again, it's just like faith. There's saving faith and we are positionally saved and that's not undone. But then we also need to continue in faith and trust in God. And there are times when we can doubt, right? So same with the fear of the Lord. We come to a right relationship with God through faith, and we do exercise fear of the Lord. But we need to continue in that mindset. That should be our attitude before him at all times because it results in worshipful submission to him. If you truly are a God-fearing person, that's what your life will look like. One commentator says this, uh, explains the fear of the Lord this way. Fearing God is becoming so acutely aware of his moral purity and omnipotence that he's all-powerful that one is genuinely afraid to disobey him. You know, your children, your children are afraid to disobey you if you're disciplining them, right? But it's not that you're a monster, right? It's, it's you discipline for their good, and there's this, there's this desire to obey and to do your will, but there's also fear of constant chastening consequences. So we see that. The question is, do you fear God? Would you say that you fear God? And if you, if, you, if you don't have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, well, then the answer to that is you need to repent. You need to put your faith in Christ. That's the only way you can be reconciled to God. And you need to submit your life to him. But if you're a genuine follower of Christ, well, yes, in some sense, you have come to fear the Lord. But like I said with that attitude, if there are patterns of sin in your life, or if you find that certain sin in your life, I mean, you're feeling indifferent to some particular sin, well, then you don't fear God enough. And again, just in the, the attitude and in instances in life, um, we need to continue in that. You need to remember that Christ purchased you with his blood, so you need to repent and you need to honor the Lord as holy in everything. And listen to what Solomon teaches regarding the fear of the Lord real quick. In Proverbs, it reads, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. The, by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. See, so it's showing what the fear of the Lord actually looks like in somebody's life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Well, this is why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, isn't it? To turn us away from the snares of death and evil and to bring us to the fountain of life. That's why it's wise in the beginning of wisdom to fear the Lord. And this is why the person who does not choose to fear the Lord is called what in this verse? It's a fool. The fool does not have wisdom. The fool is proud. He's self-sufficient. And because of this, he despises God's wisdom and instruction. Don't need it. And despise, it means to regard something as worthless. 
and can even be uh, an attitude of disgust towards it. But again, just worthless. You know, it's, this is worthless. This instruction is worthless. I don't need it. The fool says, I don't see any value in living life God's way. You know what? I'm going to live life my own way. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live on my own terms, you know. I mean, I'm not really interested in submitting my life to God. My life will do what I want. That's foolishness. But again, Christians can be foolish sometimes, can't we? So we can still choose folly. We can still have that wrong attitude. And sometimes, God forbid, but, you know, sometimes we do willingly despise and reject his counsel from his word and choose my way, you know, because this is easier and I'm going to do what I want in the end. And we presume upon God's grace. It's a dangerous thing to do because if you're truly his child, he will discipline you. He will want to correct you off of that path. So, in conclusion, we've seen the title and author and basically the genre of this whole book. We've seen all of its purpose that it's, it's going to accomplish for those who are willing to approach it in humble faith and receive its instruction. It has a lot to offer. It has a lot to offer everyone. And we've seen that before we can even get started, here's the first thing you've got to learn. Fear the Lord's beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So in conclusion, in 1 Kings 10, we read this about Solomon. King Solomon, he excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. And guess what? The great news, we don't have to go seek Solomon to hear the wisdom that God put in his mind. We have the privilege of having it right here in the scriptures, in our lap, if you will, because God's recorded it right here for us in the Bible. So the, the book of Proverbs is going to train you to know wisdom, instruction, insight, wise dealing, prudence, knowledge, discretion, learning, guidance, and most importantly, the fear of the Lord. So let's seek to live life God's way. Let's seek to live life God's way for our joy and for his glory. And let's get digging into this wonderful book that we can profit so much from. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning you've given us, again, just to come together as, as one body, as fa your family, that you have called out of darkness, that you've adopted and, and reconciled us to you, Lord, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we just ask, Lord, that, yes, we do need you. We need you to know wisdom, to learn it, uh, to grow in wisdom, and we know that you've given us your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us fight against the things that would hinder us from seeking to live as you called us to live, which is wisely. Lord, we pray that uh, we might learn to focus, that we might be able to discipline our minds and have the patience and, and the diligence to do the work of getting into your word, not just in the book of Proverbs, but everywhere, that we might more and more grow, grow in our knowledge of you and live life in a manner worthy of you that you might be glorified through us. And Lord, we, we are encouraged and, and motivated by the fact that we know it's for our good, that what we do for your glory is ultimately for our good and results in joy that is unsurpassed by what the world has to offer us. So keep us from temptation, Lord. Guard our hearts and may we be people of your word and seek to grow in your perfect wisdom. Amen.